welcome to the British History Podcast. If you love British history, then you are definitely in the right place. My name is Philippa and I will be taking you through British history, the people, the events, the intrigue. Some of the stories you may think you know, but you don't know them in the way I tell them. And then hopefully I will also be able to introduce you to something new too. Now this podcast is free and it always will be. But if you would like more History Lover benefits, then please consider coming and joining me over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash British History. But for now, let's get into today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome to Thursday Tea Time Live. Uh, Yeah, the... um, my first attempt at <laughs> going live today, I'm afraid, ended in a little bit of a crash. So uh, I will try again. Um, <laughs> can't have it all, can we, every week? I will try and get on on time. I'm not too bad. But anyway, cheers. This is coffee, I promise. It's not yet the Guinness. Mm. Although that wouldn't be a bad a bad start to the afternoon but thank you for joining me i'm streaming live on facebook and youtube um for our thursday tea time history chat um and as usual actually we've got quite a bit to talk about today um i want to uh talk about prince philip a little um and and then we're going to talk about a few events which happened around this time of year in history um, including the Titanic, we, we'll we'll have a chat about the Titanic as well. Um, if you could give me a, a thumbs up or a like, if you can hear me uh, okay, that would be great as well. Especially after my little crash with the the equipment, it would be good to know it's working okay. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk about uh, some of the events which happened in history this week, um, and and also I've had a question in um, from. Uh, I think it was Rachel, uh, thank you for your question, asking me about statues, Uh, controversial, but also um, more specifically, do I have any favourite Tudor statues? So I will um, answer that a little later on as well. Now while we're going, if you have got a question or a comment or you just want to say hi, please do um, go into the live chat and uh, and, um, say hi, that would be great. (laughs) <laughs> Hi Jane, I hope you are well too. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. The sunshine is out. I've been for a run today, which which um kind of accounts for why I'm a little bit late getting on. Hi Phil, because I decided I just needed to get out. The sunshine was uh, is 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 out. It is still a little bit chilly, but um nothing that it was quite fresh actually. It's lovely. Hi Vicky, joining on Facebook. So um. Yeah, anyway, so that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. I was being I was being um healthy. <laughs> Trying to get out and about. So yeah, so I wanted to uh speak about Prince Philip. Then we're gonna go on and talk about some of the events which happened in history this week, including the Titanic, but there's also um some other ones that are of interest as well. Um and so welcome if you're catching me live on YouTube or Facebook. Welcome also if you're watching the um the playback and welcome if you're listening on the podcast because I take the audio from this and pop it on the podcast as well so that because I know I know some people um, listen in the car so that's all very good um, now I know it's, it's afternoon here now normally it would be afternoon tea but like I say I've actually just I'm still on the coffee I feel so behind this morning well this afternoon it's this afternoon I'm still on coffee normally it would be my morning drink anyway um so good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are. Good evening. Uh, well, so you might be having your your afternoon tea, your breakfast tea, but if you're down in Australia and New Zealand, like I know some of you are, maybe you're onto the chamomile because uh, it's a little bit late to be having any caffeine. Hi, Barbara. Uh, hi, Teresa. Thank you for joining. Um, yeah, anyone on YouTube as well, if you want to just pop something in the chat to let me know, because it's YouTube that I crashed out on, so <laughs> literally dropped everything. Um, so yeah, let me know that it's working, that would be fabulous. Um, so what else has been going on? As I mentioned last week, um, th- well, thank you to everyone last week who, who suggested um, uh, items that you must remember not to forget to pack. 
that makes any sense. So what's your top tips basically for things to make sure you pack if you're traveling to or around the UK? And I recorded, that was for the podcast that I was recording with Sarah Morris on the Friday, so the day after um, we did this last week. So that podcast is now uh, recorded and I believe it goes out Saturday, um, I think. <clears throat> so I was going to say, uh, look out, I'll, when, when she publishes it, I will... Um, I'll share it on my Instagram and um, and Facebook. So if you want to link to that, um, that's uh, that'll be there. I probably won't do that Saturday though because I'm having a little bit of a, 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 a you know, it, basically it's just going to be about Philip on on Saturday. I think that's the right way to go. So uh, so I won't be sharing anything else on Saturday. But so let's let's start off by Saturday because obviously we were together last Thursday. Um, welcome, Sandra. We were together last, um, yes, Thursday, and of course we had the sad news that uh, Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, uh, longest serving consort to a monarch, um, had, uh, had died. And of course, to, I don't know what day it is. This is Thursday, so Saturday is, is his funeral. Um, so I didn't want to go by without just mentioning him and um i i think he was an incredible character um you know one of these people you know where you you stood with him it seems but his duke of edinburgh scheme which um my son took part in and i know lots of people um let's check my mic's on yeah um lots of people have have been involved in over the years was such an incredible scheme i mean it really did change people's lives i've read loads of comments and, and um, on Clubhouse they had rooms about about him and there were so many people from all over the world, all sorts of walks of life, just um, re regaling tales of, of their involvement in the Duke of Edinburgh scheme and how that changed um, their lives. So just for that, um, you know, he, he, he really is somebody worth remembering. Now, of course, he's got to have a, well, actually, I say got to have a small funeral. He wanted a small funeral, private family funeral, and that um, that is what he's getting. So that's kind of nice that he's um, COVID or no, it, it's turned out the way he would have wanted it. So I just wanted to to mention him before we uh, before we get going on anything. Um, okay, so what else happened in this week in British history or history? Mm. Obviously, I'm going to take the British slant, but. Today, 15th of April, is the anniversary, as uh, some of you will know, of the sinking, the, the day the Titanic sank. Hi Dylan, hi James, Jane. <laughs> Sorry, Jane, I just renamed you. Um, um, yes, so the 15th, so the, the, um, the Titanic hit the iceberg late on, on the 14th of April. And um, and she sank. Uh, I think it was two hours forty minutes later, so into the early hours of the fifteenth. But of course, that depends on what time zone you are you're in as well. So, but anyway, that it, it is the it is the anniversary. No, that was, that was nineteen twelve. So, um, you know, pre the World Wars, it's it's kind of it's different, you know, different era totally, um, and. Uh, any one of you who are in um, my Patreon, you have access to a full hour video with Gareth Russell talking about the aftermath of the Titanic. And the reason I wanted to ask him about the aftermath was because, the well, the more you look into the Titanic story, the more, the, the, the bigger it becomes, the, the more you realise how uh, impactful it was, not just on kind of public conscious but um the individuals and of course we think a lot about the passengers but what about the crew there's another book actually that was good i was going to recommend at the end but it's it's pertinent to now so i might as well do it now um julie cook let me see if i can get a larger image of that has written this book called um the titanic and the city of widows it left behind now she and Gareth did a YouTube video which you can find where they talked about their, um, they, they took questions and, and they answered questions from people about the Titanic. Now um, Julie's uh, angle is from the widows left in Belfast because a lot of the crew, a lot of the um, 
yeah the crew not not sort of in the in the stokers and the engineers and they were in because this was a maiden voyage you would send um kind of like a crack team if you like of engineers and and, and whatever to find those inevitable issues that were going to happen on a first voyage so a lot of them came from the Harland and Wolf um, shipbuilding yard, which is in, in Belfast, and they majority went down. I, think, I don't know if it's all or most of them went down with the ship. So you've got you've got not just the the city of Belfast bereft because of the impact psychologically of the ship that they've just seen leave, really proud of their city for creating. Um, they know that it's sank, but literally they've lost, you know, their men folk. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So, uh, so Julie's, uh, Julie's, sorry, Julie's book is on my reading list. So I've not, I've not read it yet, but I have watched her interview with Gareth, their their chat on YouTube, and um, and that's very, very, uh, that's very worthwhile looking at. Now, Gareth Russell is um, the author of. Of the other Titanic book, which I've spoken about lots before, um, I think of the Titanic and the end of the Edwardian era. So that's a fabulous book to pick up. Um, he weaves in the narrative of just well, the the just what was happening in Europe, America, uh, Ireland. It, it's really incredible how he 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 basically tells the story through. <coughs> excuse me, it's through. Um, passengers that were on the ship so people have been able to trace their story um anyway so the interview i did with him was about the aftermath because of this impact that the, the titanic had um and i wanted to explore the actual um the rescue so you know what happened with the, the, on the carpathia which was the, the ship that picked up the survivors and and what happened when they docked in new york and then the aftermath, the um, the I can't remember the name of it, but the, the film that was created really soon after, really really soon after, um, which I think possibly helped cement it in uh, in in the public consciousness and in in as a story that could be uh, dramatised. But um, anyway, so that so yes, yeah, so Titanic. That's well well worth the mention today isn't it gareth's actually got a new podcast as well called single malt history and he's done a daily um episode on the titanic so that's worth looking up it's a yellowy gold um uh logo it's really it's you'll so you'll you'll notice it when you when you uh search for it mm. and gareth's um so on clubhouse any of you are on clubhouse uh, we've done. We, we've just finished actually a series of three rooms uh, specials about the Titanic. Now, again, if you want to come onto Clubhouse and you're on iPhone, it's like um, it's like us doing this, but you can't see me. <laughs> so it's like lots of rooms of discussions. We we do more. Well, we do history talks, obviously, um, history and travelling history. Uh, so if you want to get on Clubhouse on your iPhone, it is, I believe, coming out on Android next month, May. But um, if you're not on there and you want to be, then please feel free to direct message me um, through Instagram, which no, none of you are watching me on at the moment. So that's very helpful, isn't it? But you, if you find me on Instagram at British underscore history underscore tours and send me a message there, I can send you an invite to Clubhouse. Um, but... Uh, in terms of other things, so we have uh, this week I've put out, I can't remember, I don't think I mentioned it last week, it might have been ready for last week and I forgot, but um, a video I did about the Union Jack. Does that sound boring? Is that why? <laughs> yes, I'm going to talk about a flag. But the, but the interesting thing about that was um, it, it was designed at the time of James VI of Scotland, James I of England, when he became the the monarch on in both countries because of course the countries weren't combined just because we had the same monarch that that's not how it goes um but the problem came with we're an island so we've got the same waters so are you going to change the flag that's flying on the king's ships which are the same whether they're uh, sailing around scotland or sailing around england 
Uh, are you going to change the flag when it changes waters? No. Okay, so we need a new flag. Anyway, so that's where the Union Jack comes from. And apparently that's why we call it the Jack, which is actually the name of a flag on a ship. Some of you may know more about sailing than I do. but So no, I've done a video about that. Um, I've done one about Richard the Lionheart who died in this week in, oh gosh, I haven't written, is it 1189? Something around there. Anyway, there's a video on it. You can go check it out. Now he is, so Richard the Lionheart, yeah, this, this um, he, he reigned for 10 years here and spent about six months here. He, uh, hi Liz, hi Tim for joining, welcome. Um, so yeah, Richard the Lionheart or uh, it was it was the, the the nobility and the the monarchy all the ruling classes were still speaking Norman French at that time so Cour de Lyon um, and he so like I say reigned for ten years spent six months in uh, in England and really I from what I gather treated the country um, really as just the funding route for him to go off to. Um, Oh, Barbara, thank you for that. Um, the the sorry, funding to go off to do to crusade. Um, he was a big crusader. Uh, he also spent some time in prisoned on the continent. Now that's where we think potentially the Cour de Lyon tag, tag came from, because his mother um, needed to raise the ransom for for him, and so it's a bit of um, a bit of a propaganda type style you know, name, if you name somebody, you know, he's Richard, he's your king, he's Richard the Lionheart, then people are more likely to give some cash towards getting him back. Um, now, I've covered actually, so it's, his, it's it's the anniversary of his death. Now, his death is, um, death isn't amusing, obviously, but his um, his attitude towards it is was was funny. He, he was, Siege in a castle, and I can't remember where off the top of my head, I'm sorry, um, somewhere in France, and he received an arrow wound, uh, sorry, an arrow, so, yeah, someone shot him in the, in the shoulder, and he forgave, that he pardoned the, um, the, the archer, um, because he was quite impressed with the shot. <laughs> Some that sort of professional um, courtesy, I don't know, there he was sort of oh, good shot sir anyway and uh and pardoned him um his men didn't though once richard died i'm afraid the uh the, the man who went once he was captured uh, had a very nasty ending watch the video i'll tell you all about it barbara also da vinci's birthday cool love a bit of da vinci can't wait to get back to florence there's a da vinci um Obviously, there's big links to, to him there. And the anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster, of course. Oh, gosh, yes. Well, the Hillsborough disaster, um, I'm going to have to remember, try and remember the details off the top of my uh, head. Um, and this was a, was it a cup final? Oh, it was just, it was just a horrendous um, football stadium disaster um, that makes me just... Week. There's two. There's two um, events in history that just leave me. I, I struggle to talk about them. Hillsborough and um, Aberfan. I've done a video on Aberfan, and you'll see. I really did uh, struggle with it. The Aberfan disaster and Hillsborough is the other one. Um, I can't remember what year. It was. I was quite small, I think, when it happened, but I remember the coverage, um, and obviously the aftermath. The blame game um, and that horrendous uh, blaming the the fans and oh um, and, and children die oh yes but thank you um, Barbara for bringing that up because yes we should remember them oh, absolutely um, another video I've put out this week the Earl of Boswell semi final Notts Forest Liverpool I knew it was Liverpool Barbara yeah and Notts Forest was it that there's Doug, thank you, FA Cup semi-final. And um, uh, the coverage that the Sun newspaper gave, um, 1989, thank you, Jane. Yeah, so, yeah, I'd have been 10. Um, the, yeah, Barbara says those two, those two events for her too. 
the coverage, I believe, that this, well, I know this, that the Sun gave of, the Sun newspaper gave of the uh, disaster, um, uh, actually led to, that you, you still, you can't buy the Sun in Liverpool. <laughs> that is it. You, you don't, they, no one will stock it. You, no one will buy it. You do not buy the Sun newspaper in Liverpool. Um, so sorry, excuse me. I'm sorry, I stick my arm into people's faces on YouTube. Tim asks, Timothy, sorry, uh, why was going on crusade so important to Richard? Was there pressure from Saladin to invade England? I, I think, um, I, I, it, it's a period of history that I, I want to learn a lot, lot more about. So I can only give you kind of the, uh, the overview. I mean, being, um, being that that well crusading was very important it was all about looking like you were doing the right thing i think and, and securing your place in in heaven as well um and it, it, the ruling you know the the the, the ruling classes i was going to say but the the monarchs themselves it was a position that they were given you know by god or by, by by you know so they they really believed that they were just there by right of course and um it wasn't the kind of leadership that we want and and, and ask for in a democracy now um then they were much more selfish and i think the crusading gave them the prowess i wonder though whether they were more um aware of how they would appear in history potentially as well and that gave some impetus to um to that need to to go out and do do something but yeah i mean land is always when it comes to it what is it really about usually land money yeah but 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 timothy that is something that i um i will be uh I'm getting my way back there. So in the moment I'm reading and researching about the anarchy. So the 19 years where you've got Stephen and uh, uh, Empress Matilda fighting it out. Um, so I'm I'm getting into that period. I've, I've done a lot. Um, I suppose my main focus has been Tudors, um, but I am definitely branching out now into other... Um, Oh, and Romans. Roman history I love as well. But yeah, I'm kind of, I need to do the middle bit. Thank you for the question though, Timothy. Um, so Tudorish related, the Earl of Bothwell died this uh, in this week. 15, oh, I don't know if I'm going to remember, 1565? Don't know, something like that. But he um, died in... Uh, captivity in Denmark um, in a castle called Dragsholm Castle I think it is again I've got the video out about it um, now of course uh, 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 he was the uh, third husband of Mary Queen of Scots and when Mary Queen of Scots um, it, it effectively escapes Scotland she's been ousted from the throne she escapes Scotland um, and Bothwell escapes too and then I kind of have always followed Mary's story, of course. I mean, she spends the next 19, nearly 20 years in England in captivity and obviously gets executed at the end. And, um, and, and she's an incredibly interesting character. But her husband goes, um, manages to escape over the sea. Now, he's already spent time in Scandinavia as a younger man. And what he managed to do while he was there... Um, yes, sorry, Barbara, yes. Um, Earl of Bothwell, uh, yeah, third husband of Mary, Queen of Scots. And he, um, as a younger man spending time in Scandinavia, married, potentially, this, uh, a lady called Anna. Anne, I can't remember her, her surname. But anyway, um, now, he treated her very badly, persuaded her to get her family to give him loads of cash, and probably then with that cash came back to Scotland anyway so already uh, not the greatest 
type of husband. So anyway, when he tries to escape back to Scandinavia, he gets captured and ends up back in the uh, town where, can you hear the workman outside? Um, back in the town where his estranged ex-wife is, is. So he gets into a whole heap of trouble. Uh, anyway, ends up in, um, in, in captivity. I think it's Frederick, King Frederick, the might be the first actually, Denmark, um, in, in Dragsholm Castle. Now with Mary's demise back in England, when they, they thought, oh, well, maybe this is a, this, they, I could get a, a ransom for this, this guy. No, that all, that all ebbs away and he becomes a useless prisoner. And he's left in the dungeons of Dragsholm Castle, Dragsholm Castle. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that totally wrong. And, um, and chained to a pillar, 1578, thank you, Doug. Oh, you were listening yesterday. <laughs> You're taking more notice of me yesterday than I was of me yesterday, thank you. Um, and yes, it, and, and it's apparently chained to a pillar, and so there's a, um, a groove in the floor where he just walked around this pillar. And he went insane, as uh, anyone would. It was basically in, in solitary confinement, not able to move. Um, plenty of time to think on his life and the way it had gone. So, um, yeah. But he, was, he wasn't a nice man, but that wasn't a nice end. Anyway, I've got a video about that as well. Um, and the other one I've got out is Edward IV versus Warwick the Kingmaker. Um, and this is the Battle of Barnet, which, although it's not the final battle of the Wars of the Roses, or at least the first part of the Wars of the Roses. And although it wasn't the first, uh, sorry, the, the last battle, it was the most decisive um, with the Earl of Warwick, uh, Warwick the Kingmaker, otherwise known as um, actually dying at, on the battlefield. So, um, and that was, yeah, that was very significant. Um, so anyway, I, I watched that video as well. <laughs> that's, that's quite good. They're all about, um, I've done them, they're all quite short. They're all about between three and five minutes long because they're, they're, they are an introduction, but I've I've tried not to be too just high level and, and skip over any details. I have tried to put stuff in there that um, that's a bit more interesting. The other one that's, well, they're, they're all still on there, but the um, uh, Tilbury uh, Fort speech. That video is on there as well on YouTube. I keep saying there on YouTube, and um, that's where I went to actually find where Elizabeth I delivered the Tilbury Fort speech. This is the I have the heart. No, I may have the, I have, may have the body of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king and a king of England too. Not only does she deliver that speech, possibly over and over again, because you've got to imagine she's on a hillside um, where Tilbury is, obviously. They're waiting, awaiting the Spanish Armada potentially invading. So they're on the coast. Um, they're up a hill. There's loads of um, soldiers there. And so she, she potentially delivered this speech um, a number of times. Um, and there are, there are three um, different... Um, oh, Jane, Jane liked the Tilbury Fort video. Thank you. Uh, there are three different accounts still written down, three different versions of the speech. So um, that might account for, well, I go, I go through it in the video, but that might account for why we have slightly different versions. It's not like a politician or, or somebody giving a speech nowadays and they've got, um, you know, they've got it all written down and, and then it's just re or it's videoed or recorded and then and then you you hear the original over and over again she may well have delivered it a few times um so that people could have heard um so that so that that one i, I really like and the other one was um the other one on arthur tudor yes cause, of course because arthur tudor died as well um in april 1502 Do you know what? Historians are notoriously bad with dates. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> I think it might be because you've got to think of so many. 
And they're arbitrary, aren't they? They're, they're, there's nothing inherent in them that made it have to be that date or time. So you literally have just got to remember them. And then you've got lots to remember. So anyway, I, before I go on, I want to give a shout out to um, Rachel, who's joined my YouTube channel. So you can join me on YouTube now. You can actually join. So there's the Patreon if you want blogs and live events and historian interviews. And then um, on YouTube, you can join me as well. And um, you can join me from 99p on YouTube. And you get, if Rachel was on, you'd be able to see she's got a special badge which is quite cool and uh, and you get special stickers and stuff and then you can choose there's different levels um and you get different things now other things i've been up to as well so lots on clubhouse i won't keep going on about clubhouse because if you're not on it's going to be irritating but i will tell you about what um what we've been doing on there now clubhouse is all live so i don't have any recordings of it to share with you um although we might start looking into potentially working out how to uh record some of our rooms so that we can share it elsewhere um but we do um we do everything from a chilled tudor history chat on a wednesday morning that's sarah morris and i uh to history after dark which we do on a wednesday evening <laughs> now, this one's funny it was fun and I do this with Dr. Cat, who you might know, does Reading the Past um, on YouTube and with Catherine Brooks, who is the, the Tudor tracker. And um, last night we were talking about the history of toilets and drainage systems, which sounds boring, but actually it was very interesting. I thought everyone came in and everyone stayed, so I'm taking it that they found it interesting. We, we, covered, we covered all sorts. We, I, I covered the story of the... Um, the, the mantua, do you know, the, these big Georgian uh, gowns that, 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 that became fashionable in the Georgian period at court. So these really, I'm going like this because the, the dresses were, they're, they're flat and, and long. Uh, you know, they, one was two and a half metres. I think it's one in the Scottish uh, Museum of Scotland. It's two and a half metres wide. So, so if if obviously if the the doorway is wide enough you'd be okay but otherwise you've got to do some sort of crab maneuver um through the door but how do you go to the toilet in one of these things well well we we covered that last night and it's um a bordeloo have you have you heard of these my french accent is so amazing isn't it bordeloo uh and it looks like a, they look like a gravy boat and <laughs> they basically imagine a gravy boat um and it would be, it would be, so there's like, I, I, I think there's like the, 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 the material in the back of the dress sort of laps over and um, you would, uh, ciao Monica, and you would, um, you would call over the um, servant boy. I don't know what, what the proper name would be. Sorry, I don't mean to say servant boy. But anyway, you would call over the boy. You would have these. Poor, poor little boy. And he would have to <laughs> manoeuvre it into the back of the dress. And the lady would <laughs> clamp her legs around this bordeloo. You can see why this is the history after dark uh, topics, right? <laughs> and, uh, and she would do her business there and then, in, like in the same room as she's still chatting to people. Um, I think that that sounds like it takes quite a bit of skill to me. But then I suppose, you know, if you're at court all day, every day in these dresses, you'll soon become well practiced. But anyway, so we co we covered the, the history of going to the toilet yesterday, last night. We've done the history of sex work. We've done rude place names. We've done, um, we've done uh, medical cock-ups. Uh, oh gosh, what else have we done? Loads loads it's good it's good fun it's really good fun so if you want to get on clubhouse honestly we are having a good a good time on there and um and because it's live you get you get to come up and chat as well if you if you want to it's not by no means um necessary if you just want to sit in and listen and we uh we covered um we do a history half hour on a monday and a friday Sometimes it's Tudors and sometimes it's general history. But we did What Do You Love About Tudor History? And I think I asked, I think I asked you about that last week, didn't I? In preparation for that room. Um, so that was, that was fun. And we've got, well, we did Cads, Villains and Ne'er-do-wells of Tudor England. Now the nominations were, um, mine was Thomas Seymour, first Baron Dudley. That was, that was the younger brother of Edward Seymour. Um, and he's the one who married Catherine Parr. 
So he was mine. We had Richard Rich. He's the guy who tortured... Um, um, oh, you tell me and I'll tell you. Uh, the the lady was tortured in the Tower of London on the rack. Uh, anyway, he, he literally physically did that because the uh, the the, the um, steward of the tower refused. Um, Richard Rich, th uh, third Duke of Norfolk, um, and, oh, who's the other one? It'll come to me. But anyway, so we, 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 we put forward our cases for, for who should be, um, who should be the villain of Tudor England. But, well, I say England, sorry, Tudor times, because uh, actually, and maybe this is why he wasn't included. I think maybe the Earl of Bothwell could have could have gone in there. He could have gone in there absolutely. Now this Friday, which is tomorrow, <laughs> uh, we're doing funerals. Sorry, royal deaths, protocols, and funerals. Obviously, with a bit of a uh, well, with a large nod to the fact that we've got Prince Philip's funeral on Saturday. I'm sorry if that's very noisy outside. Someone's Anne Askew. Thank you, Barbara. I, you know, I'd got A in my head and I was going through all the names, <laughs> female names beginning with A. Anne Askew, yes. Now, Anne Askew potentially did have um, information that would have got Catherine um, Parr, I think, um, into into a lot of bother. And she, um, she did not talk. Very, very, very principled and brave lady. So damaged that when they took her to be um, burnt at the stake, uh, she had to go on a chair. She couldn't even walk. Absolutely horrendous. So Richard Rich, the the, the one who uh, the one who instigated that torture, I think he actually won. He won being the villain uh, and uh, of Tudor England for us. Um, and then next, oh, let's do this right. So next week we're doing our favourite what ifs of Tudor history. So, you know when we talk about things like Arthur dying or, um, uh, you know, what if Catherine had had a son? Welcome, Roger. What if, um, and all the, all these, so what our favourite what ifs of Tudor history uh, are. And we're going to be doing that in a bit of a, let's see where this takes us. And because, yeah, so, um, because a new one that, that came up for me um and I apologise because I can't remember who, who, who I was talking to at the time, was what if Catherine of Aragon had just accepted her divorce? What if she hadn't fought against the divorce? We, we, we know the story. We know how hard she fought. We, we know how, how, how she did not want that to happen. She did not believe it was the right thing to do and she did not want it to happen. Um, but what if she had just accepted a divorce how different would her life have turned out would Anne Boleyn's life have turned out would the children involved in all of that how different would that have turned out and then consequently their behaviors as adults how would that have turned out would we have even had Edward um, would Anne have been able to have children at an earlier stage in her life and therefore maybe had more maybe there would have been a, a boy Oh, it just, isn't it fun? So that's what we're going to be doing on Monday. Supposedly in half an hour. I can't see it myself. Thinking about it now, I'm thinking that's going to be, that's going to be a while. Um, let me show you something I promised to show you last week. And, um, and I didn't have it ready. Um, I mentioned to you that my daughter has been, um, she's an artiste and she has done a bee necklace and I've got it up on my shop so oh, I don't know if you can see it um basically we've got all sorts of stuff on there that she's done I'm going to get a phone case because I've got a new phone and it desperately needs to be protected from me dropping it um but yeah you've got you've got Anne Boleyn's bee necklace that she's drawn um and um, we've got all sorts, so there's a pillow, there's a clock. You can just get cards, greeting cards with it on. You can get, um, well, I said clock, didn't I? There's just, there's all sorts of um, cool stuff, a throw. That looks quite nice. The throw with, um, 
it's black with obviously the the pearl. she's done it pearlescent as well you can't really see it on the uh, me showing you like that but the pearls are, are, are they look shiny <laughs> you can tell i'm not the artist can't you <laughs> they look shiny um yeah so anyway that's all available on red bubble so um you can you can um you can take a look at that if you want i've i've got the link on my bio um jane has got another what if for us what if anne of cleves hadn't have accepted her fate would henry have taken her her head too hmm very interesting now anne of cleves is um she's somebody that we we really don't know enough about um but um i think there are there is there are people now you know looking at doing a proper biography of her now of course anna cleves is the she outlived them all as well so not only did she survive her um very short six month marriage to henry the eighth she was then and and then you know then she was she was a wealthy um a wealthy woman in her own right then she was welcomed at court she had good relationships with all of henry's children she had a good relationship with henry she even hoped on the downfall of uh, catherine howard that he might reconsider marrying her so which which then lends the um a bit of doubt into uh she she did she was a very rich woman she did have properties but it lends a little bit of doubt into the assumption that she kind of knew what she was she did know what she was doing i'm sure when she accepted the divorce but she was hopeful that he might remarry her when catherine of howard um when catherine howard um yeah sorry barbara's just asked, put done another what if what if richard the third son had survived the, the the changes of fortune based on people dying at the wrong time um so i suppose we've got the potential of people who've not been born but yes it, absolutely the, the the people in line to the throne who've died i'm doing a monarchy series actually soon it's in the planning and i've got other historians coming in to help tell the story and we're literally going from i wanted to go further back than um than William because we always start at William and there's plenty of kings uh, beforehand but um, for the purposes of, of keeping it uh, planned well I'm going to start there and, th th and I'm looking at specifically the transfer of power each time and what happened who it went from and to but who else potentially it should have gone to or would have gone to had something else not happened so um and 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 obviously children and, and dying before their time or in battle in the um case of the the uh, henry the sixth's son um the prince of wales um he's buried in tewkesbury cathedral uh, tewkesbury abbey i always sort of say cathedral tewkesbury abbey um yeah he died in battle so yeah there's lots of what ifs now shall i get on to uh, statues <laughs> So this is this this has come from a question. I think I've had it a couple of times actually, um, um, about statues, and um, uh, ring me, get away. Um, someone's asked me generally about statues, but more specifically about Tudor statues. And do I have a favourite Tudor statue? Well, I do, and I can tell you about it. <laughs> And it's going to be your favourite one as well after I tell you about it, I think. Now, my general thoughts on statues are there is statue. So when there's a statue, what I think is a part of the story of those statues is why were they put up? Now, one of the things I've noticed um when I'm researching things. So let's take Richard the Lionheart, for example. If you watch my video on him, you will see a uh, the statue of him on horseback outside the House of Parliament. Now, why is there a statue of a man who spent six months of his 10 year reign in the country? <laughs> and basically used the country 
to fund his crusades? Why, why would there be a statue of him up there? Well, his, his statue originally stood outside Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, the Victorian Crystal Palace. Um, and there was, there was this nostalgia during the Victorian era and um, Prince Albert himself um, was behind a lot of it as well, where a lot of statues went up. Um, now I'd have to look into it more, maybe each individual statue warrants looking into in its own right, but as to why that person was chosen. And I, I would, I would, I would, I would wager that in many cases there wasn't really a big, great, potentially sensible reason behind choosing them. <laughs> um, so, so that's one thing I think the history of why the why the statue was actually there is is always worth looking at because then I then I, I'm just not sure they take on the importance that they uh, they're sometimes given. Um, also, nobody puts a statue up to someone who hasn't done something that they've interpreted as good at the time. So lots of people who made money in ways that we would not, um, we, we think is abhorrent, then the, the reason there might be a statue to them is because you'll probably find they built a hospital or a library or something else. In an age where you couldn't show your wealth with Porsches and I don't know, whatever, you know, you'd get your name recognised by providing a, um, a building in the community. Not saying it's right, I'm not saying it doesn't mean that they should be looked at now, potentially, but I, I think there's maybe a bit more energy wasted on, on doing it than necessary. But let me tell you about my Tudor statue that I think you will, if you don't already know about it, you'll be quite excited that I've told you about it, I think. So my favourite Tudor statue is a statue of Elizabeth I, and the reason... The main reason why it's my favourite is because um, it is contemporary. So it was carved in, um, I've got it written down because you know what might be dates by now, 1586. So Elizabeth dies um, 1603, <laughs> another date maybe I should have written down. And so this is contemporary and it um, it's not only contemporary to her, but it's it's the oldest out it's outdoor oldest outdoor statue in london on top of that it is really easily missed it wouldn't have been originally because originally it adorned the lud gate so the, one of the gates into the city of london but um but that that gate was removed in um, 1760 and the um the statue there was there was king lud and his sons and there was elizabeth on the statue i think they're on either side um either direction if you like and the statues ended up being uh um i was gonna say conserved but not really stored um in cellars of a, of a pub um and um so when uh there's there's a there's a church called st dunstan's on fleet street and when that was rebuilt the uh the statue of elizabeth was renovated refitted and, and put there. Now, I'm gonna show you, I'm hoping you can see this. If not, look up um, St. Dunstan's on Fleet Street. Oh, and this is the reason why you might not know where it is. I'll show, I'll show you. So this is St. Dunstan's. This is the headquarters of one of the papers, I can't remember. So if I show you that, this is St. Dunstan's. This is a news, because we're on Fleet Street, so this is our newspaper area. <laughs> Now the statue is in, on is above a porchway above a porch sorry in there <laughs> so you fly past that on a bus or uh, in a car or in a taxi and you won't um, you won't see it and this is it there's more to this story Yes, Barbara, I know. I must go and see it as well. Because I, I ha I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. I have, fl I have flown past this statue 
Um, now it is set back, which is probably good in terms of conservation wise, not quite so good in terms of actually seeing it. <laughs> we'll have to have a walk down Fleet Street. When I get to London, I'll do a live from there, shall I? And we can um, we can view it together. So yeah, so um, what did I say, 1568? So this is above the porch. Now there is a follow on story to this as well. So you know I said that the statue was um, in basically a pub cellar. So it needed to be paid to be you know, refitted, restored and put put somewhere. So this is on, on uh, St Dunstan's was rebuilt. I've got that written down, 1833. So to, to, this was then refitted, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the, uh, sorry, so the people, obviously it costs money. One of the people who donated money was Millicent Fawcett, one of the suffragettes. So you may, so you may have heard of her name. Um, and she unveiled the statue in 1926, I think it was, 28, sorry. She unveiled the statue um, in 1928. And um, she was already 80 years old at the time. And she left seven hundred pounds in her will for you know, toward the upkeep of this statue. So there you have it. Elizabeth I has the oldest outdoor statue in um, in London, and it's contemporary to her. So fifteen sixty eight. I mean, it's it's. It, I I find the dress. Um, oh, so she's she's got the orb and scepter, and so she's in her sort of coronation regalia. Um, I find the, the dress interesting. It's not quite as um, it it looks a bit more realistic than than in portraits. You know, when in portraits, the the sort of the, the way the dress hangs is a little bit uh, like wow, how do they do that? Probably didn't. That's why. Um, but this looks a little bit more realistic. So anyway, so there you go. There's my favourite Tudor statue um, hidden away. It's there when you know where to look for it. So um, now you know where to look for it and you can go and find it. And yes, when I make it to London, I will do a live from there, I promise you. And we can, um, we can go and have a look at it together. Is that all right? Does that sound good? Oh, that sounds good. So I am gonna leave you for another week. Thank you so much for joining me. So remember that book, um, Julie Cook's book about uh, the Titanic, the City of Widows, um, it's called The Titanic and the City of Widows It Left Behind, The Forgotten Victims of the Fatal Voyage. Um, really, really interesting book. Check out Gareth Russell's uh, podcast, Single Malt History, because he's done a series of episodes this week about the, uh, the run-up to the sinking. Um, and that's really good. Anyway, he's a fantastic historian. You'll be very glad you found him if you haven't already. Um, but for now... Have I got anything else to say? I don't think I probably have. So thank you for joining me and I will see you again this time next week. I hope you all have a fabulous week. Stay safe. Bye. Bye everyone. <laughs>